Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second part of our Double Thudge Stuffed episode. Uh, we... <laughs> Double Thudge. <laughs> Nick and I, we're going to start this review, or this episode, with our thoughts on the way back, but... Um, Holy crap, we have some emergency news to talk about. Um, we already recorded um, our thoughts for Brownie Bites a couple days ago, which you presumably heard in part one of this episode, but we are stepping in right now because South by Southwest has been canceled South by Southwest 2020 has been canceled. The huge film festival in Austin, Texas. Um, it's it's all because of the coronavirus outbreak, which is ongoing and has taken the lives of thousands of people. But um, we 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 needed to step in and take a moment to talk about it and. Um, our thoughts are with everybody that ha has been affected by it, um, that has lost somebody, and outside of the deaths itself, like, what the global ramifications of this have been, I don't know about you, uh, I mean, your specific field that you work with for your day job, but, uh... You mean the travel industry? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 in my job, we have minimally been affected by it like we've had warnings and heads ups about uh just hygiene and international travel and um don't do it but um my previous employer who i'm still very much friends with with a lot of people i used to work with they were telling me about the many many projects there was more than one project that has fallen through and affected their business and their overhead and their profits for uh this quarter and this month uh because nobody wants to nobody wants to go out in public nobody wants to work nobody just um the fiance of my manager i worked directly under was told to work at home for the next week because of this virus. Like, this is enormous, especially after just, what, three days ago we talked about No Time to Die being pushed all we the way. We talked about a single movie being canceled or delayed, and now we're talking about an entire film festival being canceled. Yeah, No Time to Die has been pushed all the way to Thanksgiving, and South by Southwest is outright canceled. Like... Good lord! I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I almost, I almost forgot everything I wanted to talk about with, uh, the way back, because I was so floored by this news when I left the movie. I, I, what's, what are your thoughts on this uh, about South by being canceled? Uh, I don't really care. Um, not because I don't care about the coronavirus thing. I, I don't get super swept up in film. Like, it's an industry thing. That's something that you typically care about. I, it's, I mean, it's a thing. I get it's a thing. I don't get super worked up about it. It's a, um, it's it's up there with Cans and Sundance 
and Toronto as one of the biggest I, film I know, festivals I, in the I, in the world. I know it's big. Like I said, I don't really get too worked up about film festivals. Um, the only thing that I really had a, was when you texted me about it. Uh, what I what I sent back is like we need to come up with a contingency plan for the show. Uh, just because I was like it's it's getting big. Um, so just a heads up, we've got a plan. Um, uh, where I live in Indiana, um, uh, on the news today, they said that the first case of coronavirus was confirmed in the state of Indiana. Um, I don't, have they said anything like any, has it gotten to Ohio yet? I've not heard anything specifically. Um, I, I cut the cable, uh, like seven years ago now. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know if you saw it on Facebook because that, that's how I found out about it. it. Was it was it was published on Facebook from a Indianapolis news uh, news station. Okay, I I have not seen anything on my social media, um, and I cut the cable cord uh, seven years ago, so I haven't watched local news in almost a decade. So um, <laughs> right now, the Cincinnati area is okay. From <laughs> Take that with a grain of salt, listeners. You're listening to this two days after we tape this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Cincinnati in northern Kentucky is okay at the moment, but I – yeah, I'm not scared of getting the virus, but I'm, I'm, I am scared about uh, economies taking a hit. <laughs> I'm scared of – our specific industry that we talk about for you for this show, getting really so, affected by it. I, it, it. So yeah, that that's that's something to be important. We're not standing here screaming, you know, waving flags saying panic. This is this is pandemonium and it's the end of it's the end of times. We're not saying that. Um, we do realize what's going on. Um, I know we typically stay out of news, and I don't really know if this qualifies for politics, but we typically try and stay out of that. Um, but we are aware of the situation that's going on. Um, we understand that um, there's been a very kind of harsh reaction to it. And then also there's people like there's no reason to be reacting this harsh to it. Um, we're just saying we're aware of it. We're keeping our eye on it. Just, you know, like we discussed with the Bond, uh, the Bond movie thing. China has just flat out shut down cinemas. Like they they don't want people going out in public uh, to to prevent the spread of the disease. Um, and you know the the CDC I I do know that they had a they've had several press conferences about it. But in one of them they said, hey, be prepared for this to affect your daily life because um, it it's going to be coming. Uh, we think with proper preparation uh, and education we can help minimize it. But they're but they're like, hey, just a heads up. It, it looks like it's coming. Uh, be prepared to, you know, possibly have to work from home for a while. Uh, things and, 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 and interruption to your daily lives. Um, that being said, this podcast is very, um, what's the right word? Uh, not vital to life. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, if, if we don't go to the theater. <laughs> yeah, like if we don't go to the theater, it's not like we're going to get, you know, a huge problem is going to arise from that uh, for us personally. So we do have a plan. Dan and I talked about um, if we're, we're monitoring the situation, if we see that it's starting to be, to be a good idea to stay out of being in public, 
Um, right now, it's not. Right now, our plans are to go forward with the show as normal. But if it comes up where they're like, hey, stay out of the public for a while. It's just a good idea to just avoid it altogether. If that were to arise, um, our plan would be that the show would continue. We would just do uh, – we would each pick a time machine each week and do reviews. Um like I said, there's no plans for that to actually happen as of right now, but if it gets to the point where going to the cinema poses a threat to our well-being, um, that's kind of our plan. Yeah, and you're hearing this before we advertise our plan to watch five movies next week. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to say what I they are here. Four. Or, oh yeah, four movies. Um, I'm not going to say them here because just – jump ahead to the end of the episode but um but yeah we um we are like nick said we are aware of what's going on and we'll carry on as if um nothing's happening as of now but um as of right now we just need to wash our hands and sneeze and cough into our elbows like yeah that's all we got to do right now it's it's what it is. We're not getting swept up into it per se. I just – I kind of caused this emergency extra bounty bites because I was just so personally floored by the fact that South by Southwest got canceled. Um, I I felt that it needed to be addressed, and it's a nice little bumper now um, before we get into uh, the remaining reviews we have for this week. So – with that cue the isla marfin of fugue yeah with that uh we just we're, that's all we have to say about uh this emergency uh breaking news about south by and coronavirus uh so we are going to take another very brief break and get on with the show get on with the hilarity with our review of the not very funny uh ben affleck character drama the way back We'll be right back. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is the start of our double fudge episode. Double fudge. (laughs) Our double fudge episode. This is the second film that Nick and I saw in theaters. It is the Ben Affleck drama, The Way Back. This film, of course, stars... <laughs> it stars Ben Affleck as an... Oh, uh, yeah. It stars Ben Affleck as... Bud Light. <laughs> the star... Or, well, it wasn't Bud Light in the movie, but... Beer was the star of the movie. Um, just outright alcohol was the star of the, star of the movie. Um, <laughs> the um, I don't know. He drinks a lot of beer compared to other alcohol. He drinks a lot of beers. Yes, yes. Okay, we'll get into that. But the film, like I said, stars Ben Affleck as an alcoholic former basketball star, now turned basketball coach. And the film is directed by Gavin O'Connor, who gave us miracle the excellent hockey film uh warrior the amazing honestly amazing nick if you haven't seen it you should uh warrior uh about cage fighting and also ben affleck's film the accountant which is a lot better than you remember it 
Um, it's honestly a pretty good movie. Me specifically, I actually really like The Accountant. Oh well, nice. I I like it too. I thought The Account was better than uh a lot of people thought at the time. Uh, did you see Warrior or? Oh okay, I thought. I thought you were directing your comment specifically at me. I was like, I don't ever remember discussing The Accountant with you, but I like it. No, 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 no. No, we haven't discussed The Accountant on mic, but um, did you see Warrior or Miracle? Uh, I saw Miracle when I was a lot younger. Um, I have not seen Warrior. Oh, okay. You definitely need to see Warrior. It is phenomenal. It's got Tom Hardy and the guy from uh, – or uh, Joel oh, is it? Joel something. I can't remember his last name, but – um. Schumacher. No, not, not Joel Schumacher. Um, He's like, I'm going to make a bad Batman movie after I punch you in the face. It's about two brothers that have gone through very different paths in life, but then end up fighting each other in a like MMA cage, fa- uh, cage fight, and it's... Cage fight. <laughs> and it's awesome. Honestly, Warrior... I'll just go ahead and kind of jump ahead of the review. Warrior is still Gavin's best film, but I, I'm i of two minds when it comes to our film right now, The Way Back. I, I think the movie's okay. I'm going to give this movie on our scale a half pan. And on our scale... A contender for best film of the year is a movie that is so good that it gets icing and sprinkles and all the fixings on top of it. A pretty good movie overall is a full pan of brownies. A so-so, it's got good things, but it's got bad things in it too, is a half pan of brownies. A pretty bad overall film is a single brownie. And a movie that could be considered one of the worst of the year is so bad you do not even get a brownie you get a cookie full of raisins um i think i I say this with reservation i i do think the way back is only a half pan but the half of the pan of brownies that is full of brownies is really good i it's some of the it's some incredible brownie it's it's not Ben Affleck's fault. I think Ben Affleck is one of the shining moments in this movie. I think he genuinely is poor. So that's a far. I was gonna say that statement's a far cry from when he uh, like the early two thousands. Like, okay, this isn't the the things that are bad are not Ben Affleck's fault. I, <laughs> I like Ben Affleck is part of why it's good. When in the early two thousands, it's like. Run away if you see Ben Affleck. Dude, okay, that's that's part of what I want to talk about is Ben Affleck, his entire career. I, not to get so far away from the way back, which is a clearly very personal and very cathartic role for him, and that's why I think he is so genuinely fantastic in this movie. He is a saving grace, <laughs> but <laughs> I I do get where you're, where you are coming from. He has had such an up-and-down career. Like, in the 90s, no one knew who he was, and then he won an Oscar for... Except for... Except for... Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon. (laughs) Matt Damon. (laughs) And then... That will never not be funny to me. And you've still never seen Team America. I... (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. Make it a time machine. I may pick it soon. Um, but anyway, Ben Affleck. It's better than picking your nose. <laughs> anyway, Ben Affleck was completely unknown until he won an Oscar with Matt Damon for Goodwill Hunting, and then throughout the early thousands, he was just in so so whatever movies that he was never the problem of. But something else was the bigger issue, whether it was Jersey Girl or Geely. Um, I'm not going to Daredevil. Daredevil. Uh, Mallrats. He I mean, Mallrats has its own following. I'm not going to say anything bad about Mallrats, even though I've technically never seen it before. Um, <laughs> but um, then he decided to become a director. Uh, gone, baby, gone. Amazing. The town. I just watched The Town last week uh, for, like, my third or fourth time watching it. I still love The Town. And then Argo. Argo is a great movie. Um, I didn't uh, I didn't like Live by Night, personally, but I could see the passion that he had with the source material to make it a movie. But that's a whole – maybe we'll do a time machine about Live by Night. But um, – and then obviously Justice League. We discussed uh, what last week or two weeks ago Ben Affleck with uh, his alcoholism and uh, how it affected Justice League or him personally with Justice League, I should say. And Batman v Superman. Oh, oh, Batman v Superman. Yes, uh, that also, and how that opted him out of doing uh, the Batman. I just. He was going to drunk drive crash the Batmobile into a car. I, yes, I. <laughs> hey, Alfred. Boom. I, I, yes, I hear the joke that you're saying, but I don't want to diminish. <laughs> I don't. Acknowledge me. I don't want to diminish at all the personal struggle that he was going through in his life and still is. While also acknowledging that. The movie around him is just kind of okay up until the last 30 minutes. Um, I know this is my spoiler-free hot take, but the the movie that Gavin makes, it has moments where it is brilliant. Whenever it focuses on Ben, it's a great movie. And there is a lot of time focused on Ben, but when the movie decides to kind of stray away and go back to like the Hoosiers trope and it wants to develop the basketball players. They're kind of not interesting or the assistant basketball coach who was an actor on the daily show. Uh, it's very miscast kind of like our time machine. It kind of doesn't work, but when it solely focuses on Ben and the way that he's kind of always drunk at work and, oh, I'm going to the bar. I ought to pregame or I'm going to work and ought to pregame. And um, I I think he just wakes up and he's like, I better pregame. I don't think it's I got to go somewhere to pregame. I think it's like I'm awake. Let's do it. This, But, dude, that's the thing. This is a crippling addiction. And then when it's revealed why he is carrying – this hardship and how he's dealing with that hardship 
and the way that that is resolved, let's say, in the third act, I was honestly not that interested in this movie until it really took a left turn and did not finish this story in the traditional sense that most Hollywood films finish. Like Hoosiers, they win the championship, yay! Blindside, oh, he's a great player and he makes an NFL team, yay! Like, I I won't say what it is until we're in spoilers, but guys, Ben Affleck is honestly really great in the way back, but none of the rest of the film is that great. It's a little overrated from what I've seen on Rotten Tomatoes, in my opinion, but um, I still give this movie a half pan. Uh, check it out on streaming or for a cheap rental, but... Um, <sighs> Gavin's made better films, like I said, Warrior, Miracle, but I I don't know. If you have a personal connection to similar themes that this movie is going for, like if you know somebody with an addiction issue, maybe you're going to connect with it better than I did. But um, I just – yeah, it's, it's not as good as you're hoping, but I mean the last 30 minutes are really good. Um, Nick, what's your hot take on it? Um, this movie's frustrating. Um, I I think it's three different movies that uh, get kind of morphed into one, and the three movies range from decent to 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 pretty good, pretty great. Um. The issue is, is they don't blend together very well, um, and it it can't decide if it's a movie about an alcoholic, or if it's a basketball movie, or if it's a family drama, and then it like it bounces all around with it, and it, it it's sloppy, um, and seeing how good the portion is where he is dealing with his alcoholism like man it's a pretty blunt look at alcoholism um i like it demonizes it without looking like it's sitting there wagging its finger at you going alcoholism is bad this is brought to you by the church like it it does not look like it's wagging its finger it's just like don't you see this sad pathetic human um the basketball movie portion of it, it doesn't really feel like anything special. I I feel like that is the weakest part of the movie. Actually, is the basketball part. Um, well, did it did it the, did it come across to you at all that that was not the point of the movie? Like I, after a certain point, I got that sense that obviously, to me. The basketball yes. is not the point of this movie. The The point of this movie is that it's supposed to be a character study about this guy who's had all this trauma going with him, and basketball is the road to his redemption. Like, Yes, but I don't think the movie knew how to say that. Hmm, okay. And then the family, the family drama part... Um, while it feels unnecessary, there is a very visceral moment, in, which we'll talk about in the spoiler part, but there's a very visceral reaction moment where 
man, is it really hard to watch Ben Affleck have to deal with that. Um, I'm guessing it's in the last half hour that I already hinted at. Um. <laughs> uh, with with Miguel. Oh, oh no. Okay, that that what you just said was a pretty harsh moment too. But or or no, no. I'm sorry. That was in the last half hour. Half hour too. So. Yeah. 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 Um. But it's got two parts that are really good. It's got one part that's okay, but they don't mesh together very well. Like, all the stories happening in his life feel very detached from each other. Like, clearly the family drama is what's fueling his alcoholism. But at the same time, it feels so segmented and separate that it... It's jarring when it shifts to the other movies. Like, it's jarring when it goes from being about alcohol to being about basketball. And then it's really jarring when it goes from being about basketball to being about family. And then back to basketball. And then back to family. And then back to alcoholism. It's, I mean, it, it's, it, it feels like you have tickets to three different movies in, in, in the theater. And it feels like it's got this it's got a screen in front of you and you're like on a chair like in Jurassic Park where it like it moves between TV screens. And it feels like you're sitting there watching a movie and then it just is like and now you're in a basketball movie. Now family drama, now drunk, now family drama, now basketball. It just it, it feels like it whips you back and forth a bunch. Um So I give it a single brownie just because it's part it's got really good parts it's got really really good parts i agree i don't want to belittle what ben affleck's going through i just joke around but that is a really hard thing to overcome and really i i think this movie was cathartic and uh very um therapeutic for him to do i don't think that if so i okay i don't know if he wrote this or if he had directing or producing stuff with it he he did not write or produce this movie no okay i was gonna say because if he did i don't think he conveyed his message to the director very well um but okay if he didn't do that i i don't think there was a clear vision of what the movie was supposed to be and so they filmed it to be three different movies, and then they're like, okay, we're going to go with one of these angles. And then they couldn't decide, and they just were like, eh, all three of them. Um, I, I actually found it pretty funny how blunt he is multiple times. Like, when uh, the chaplain is talking to him about swearing on the court, I love how he's just sitting, like, he's staring daggers at the guy because uh, he really didn't want to do it. And he, he's like, fine, I'll do it. And then, um, which, that, uh, that was one thing I had a hard time understanding was, uh, I'll explain in a second. But um, when he looks at the chaplain, he goes, hey, with everything going on in the world, do you really think someone upstairs is judging me for the words I use? I was like, my God, man. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, that, I mean, honestly, like, I... The basketball stuff was part of the least interesting things in the movie for me. Like, I I was... Which I find weird because, man, they advertised that it was gonna be Hoosiers. No, they... I 
hold on. Let's let's go ahead and just put the put the flag up here. Um, our spoiler-free hot takes. That's what we think. I think it's a decent movie. It's it's problematic, but it's decent. It's a half pan for me. Nick is a single brownie bad movie. Um, from here on out, we're just gonna bad bad movie bad movie just because I couldn't figure out what it wanted to be. Yes, and I was whipped back and forth. So also before we go to spoiler territory, just a heads up: if you want to hear how terrible my theater experience was again, stay tuned because I wanted to yell at some old people. Yes, okay, <laughs> we will get to that too. Um, but um, yes, so now that we're in spoiler-free territory. I agree with you. Or no, we're in spoiler or territory. Spoiler territory. Sorry. Um, I, I was so not that interested. Like I did laugh at at when he was telling the the uh, the chaplain that I'm gonna coach my way. Like that moment. And but overall, I didn't really care about the other basketball players. I didn't really get. The sense that the movie wanted me nothing. to get to know like, these characters or care when, about them as much. When they win, when they win to get to the playoffs, I felt nothing. I I was like, I agree. Okay, I, I guess it had to go here. There was nothing for me to care about these kids. Like, I was a little surprised that like it spent so much screen time. How do I reach these kids? <laughs> I was surprised that it kind of emphasized this moment in the way that like, oh my God, these kids did it. When throughout the rest of the movie, it's all about Ben, and I'm just like, okay, uh, like, spe- speaking speaking of the kids, did you watch American Vandal season two? Not the second season. I saw season one though. I'm almost positive that the kid that gets kicked off the team was like the main focus slash suspect in season two. Oh. And he plays almost he plays almost the exact same character. Oh, hold on, keep talking. I'm gonna look that up because I want to know if that's um, true. Um. Oh. Oh. Good lord. But, I don't. Ooh. This might be a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down. Actually. So never mind. Um. Because <laughs> I know I don't know the kid's name. Um. But uh. One thing I want to point out about the basketball thing that I thought was really good was was a mi- was minor moments where it intersected with him being an alcoholic. The first time that the assistant coach says, "Hey, I found beer cans in your office." Ben's reaction, like Ben if you want to see a clinic on how to act drunk, this is actually very good drunk acting because he's not like over slurring like the first time he slurs while talking to the assistant coach, I actually went, "Wait, did he slur his words?" Like, it's not like, oh, my God, yeah, he's hammered. I was like, wait, is he drunk? And then when um, he's talking with uh, the head the head pastor and the assistant coach he, and he slurs his words again, it's like it's obvious, but it's like subtle obvious. It's not like, hey, I like he like he only screws up like two words he he but they're two words that you would screw up if you were drunk and you would slur them so he he his drunk acting especially in the moments where he's defending himself um like with the basketball program um that was really good and i do want to point that out that that was 
his drunk acting is very good in the movie. He I agree. I I love that the film throughout like all these little subtle moments like in between like the big like this game or that game or this practice or when it's just been by himself grappling with his thoughts like collecting himself before he goes out to his construction job or before he goes to practice like he the way that Gavin direct these directs these moments are just those quiet meditative moments where you're you are just with yourself just and there's nothing around you but your your own thoughts and the way that he deals with it is he gets in the shower and the worst way possible he gets in the shower and he's got a uh, a shower beer or he, shower or, beer <laughs> or he's in his truck and he felt you ever had a shower beer i sidebar yes of course i've had one but um <laughs> oh my god they're amazing yeah. <laughs> they are fantastic okay but we're talking about a movie about a, a hardcore alcoholic let me have this thought <laughs> just saying <laughs> yes don't become an alcoholic, but I do recommend them. Oh my god, do we have to have the Alcoholics Anonymous hotline at the end of this? <laughs> no. No, I was I was on vacation one time and went and ate a huge dinner and I was like, I'm going to go take a shower and just like uh just like cuz I was like I, I ate myself so full that I was just sitting there going <sighs> like for 20 minutes. And uh, if anyone is wondering, you know exactly what that image in your head looks like of someone that's so full that they just can't – they, like, have trouble breathing out. Not breathing in, but breathing out. They're like, oh, this is a struggle. Um, and so we went back, we went back to the hotel, and I was like, I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> I had I had a shower beer in. Oh, man. So good. Yes, but not a daily recommendation like Ben Affleck's character has. In the yeah, don't do that daily. Like – be done with your day. Yeah. And also not every day. Yeah. So like I was saying, he has a beer just in the shower. Whenever he's in the shower, he has a beer. And his thermos, he fills with straight up liquor. Like he's dealing in a deadly, potentially hazardous work environment in construction. He, and he's just got a thermos with liquor. Like I remember the – He is – he is a functioning alcoholic too. Like he never shows signs of being plastered until he's like, "All right, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna get drunk." Like, yeah, I. He, that's a, the like the shower beer and the thing at his job is where it's like smoking a cigarette for him, dude. The or having a dip. It's not screwing him up, but it's getting him through the day so he doesn't feel bad. Dude, the scene where he, the he's in that um elevator uh roll makeshift whatever you want to call it elevator at work and you just see him with the thermos obviously full of uh, vodka let's just call it and he just takes a sip of it and i'm like oh my god like (laughs) what about when he's driving after work at the beginning of the movie and he just pours uh, a beer into his coffee mug and then he's just driving down the road and drinking it and he makes it look like he's drinking coffee i was like Jesus Christ, dude, you got a problem. Yeah, um, but let's let's go ahead and segue this into um, 
not basketball, because obviously this movie doesn't care that much about basketball compared to other things. Let's. By the way, did you notice his coaching for a bit is like George Lucas's directing was like faster, more intense. <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't give an f about. What you all think, if a guy comes at you, you shove him. If a guy is doing this, you punch him. Like. <laughs> so, so by the way, when I played a church league basketball when we were in middle school and high school, I uh, decided I wanted to play football too late. My parents were like, nah, it's not a good idea with your back, ankles, and knees that run in the family. Um, and the fact that you haven't done that yet, they're like, but like, if you want to play sports, uh, let's play basketball. So I played a church league where I knew I could be rough. So like all the stuff he was saying where he's like, you got to push him and you got to, you got to hit him and play rough. And I was like, yeah, I agree with that. That's how I used to play. Cause I couldn't play football. <laughs> like I remember, I remember one time there was a, uh, there was a kid that scored a bunch of points. Like we were losing really bad and there's like. Five seconds left in the game. Kid makes a layup. I just come like running from like midcourt. I just shove him. <laughs> and he t- and like the ref goes, "Hey, don't do that. You're gonna hurt somebody." And I was like, "Duh." Did I, did I ever tell you that I've I got my only black eye in my life from playing b- basketball? No. Yeah. Ever tell you I accidentally knocked someone out? playing basketball wait like straight up unconscious dude dropped on the floor so i went up for a rebound same church league it <laughs> went up for a rebound and i got it and at the same time uh when i pulled it back someone was going for it and like missed grabbing the ball and instead kind of like punched the ball and so i'm standing if the, okay, so if they punch it with their fist going straight at the ball, I'm parallel with the ball, but it's in my hand, and I, I'm off to the side, and it bounces off the ball, and it throws my elbow just into this dude's nose that's on the opposing team, and he drops. Oh, jeez. It hits him right in the face. It just, like, goes to the ground. I was like, oh, oh my god. And my coach goes, Mom, get over here. I went over there and he goes, did you do that on purpose? And I was like, I swear I did not do that one on purpose. Oh, my God. Because, like, I immediately start, like, checking if the kid's okay. And he's, he's like, did you do that on purpose? Like, I promise you, that one was not on purpose. Dang. Like. But, I like, I would, I would, I would play rough and, for, like forced my way in like i tried to play really physical so like all the stuff ben affleck was doing i was like yeah floppers suck go in there hard (laughs) my my black eye was (laughs) phrasing my black eye was because i i went up for a layup and the guy that was defending me just got he happened to get too close to me and literally just elbowed me in the face and and was it for a rebound I, I don't remember if it was in, for the in a in a church league basketball game, because <laughs> if so, I might have knocked you no, out. No 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 no. I know it wasn't you. It was, uh, it was. Uh, I don't even remember the league I was playing for. Like I some summer league, I guess. But no, I I went up for a layup, and the guy just was defending me very well, but well enough that he elbowed me in the face, and I didn't get knocked out, but. I immediately stopped walking and I just grabbed my face and they walked me off the court and I I had a black <laughs> eye for the next like two weeks. <laughs> hmm. 
That's funny. Uh, it was. I, I looked pretty. I looked pretty badass for like what I was probably like ten or eleven when I had it. Like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but any. Chicks dug it. But any. <laughs> but anyway, t- uh, speaking of ten-year-olds, um, let's talk about the trauma that Ben Affleck actually went through, that started or at least exacerbated his alcoholism. Uh, he had a kid that died. <laughs> <laughs> of cancer yeah dude i like like not in the car wreck like just withered away in front of him and died dude when he was talking to the i guess therapist the tumors that he had the 30 scans the screaming he had when he had seizures i actually started really tearing up when he was talking to the therapist about what his kid went through that was really hard to watch the 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 two toughest scenes that i think like the therapist part was was bad don't get me wrong that was that was that was tough but the toughest scenes to me to get through with him dealing with the family drama um was when he's at the birthday party and uh miguel mentions he's like yeah this is what was it was it michael was that his kid's name i think you're right yeah He's like, yeah, this is Michael's dad. You remember Michael from the hospital? And then, like, you can tell Vietnam-style flashbacks start happening to Ben Affleck. As soon, like, once he gets kind of dazed from that, I was like, just get out of there. Like, just go, like, not go not go to a bar, but, like, go get air. Like, just get away from the situation. And then um, when they're singing Happy Birthday and he's losing it, but he's staying composed, I was like... God, that's really hard to watch. And then uh, at the end, when uh, Miguel's son uh, essentially like they get told he's gonna die, and Ben Affleck has a uh, hat like has his relapse because um, for some but for some reason in the movie he's a he's a crippling like a functioning alcoholic, but like with a crippling addiction, and he gets plastered every single night. Uh, the coach just says, don't let me find beer cans in your office again. And he's like, okay. And he stops drinking. And they're like, yeah, that's all it takes. Do you just not want him to drink in your movie anymore? Because that feels like a real easy way for him not to drink. It's just like, don't let me find beer cans. All right. Like, um, but uh, when uh, he is like losing it after they find out about Miguel's son – when he's like, I gotta get out of here. I actually started breathing really heavy and fast. When he's like freaking out and trying to get out of the hospital, I was like, <sighs> it's like I'm sitting here and this isn't me. Like his, he does very good, and that those scenes are written and directed very well. Um, I yeah, I hundred percent agree. I, I honestly like, I do agree with like it. It makes you feel like you have – you start experiencing the physical aspects of the breakdown he's having. Yeah, like that's what – You get you get panicked. You're trying to find a place to get air. Like it does a very good job. Yeah, like it's it's, it's all those subtle details that like it's, – it's subtle until it's not. And as you can see the buildup into it, especially when it gets to the absolute end of the movie where he's in his truck and – he wants to make out with that girl, and then he not only crashes his car into 
the hatchback like with the boat like i mean i don't know what that uh specific the the term it was it was a it was a boat on the back of a toyota tacoma so you know sonic yeah. was there <laughs> i don't know what the word for that hatch is for carrying a boat but when he crashes into that boat and then how beautifully it is revealed that he didn't go into his home he broke into somebody else's home and he oh my god so he he's supposed to meet he's supposed to meet this girl inside her house it's not his house it's her house and when he goes in i was like as he's walking up the stairs i went oh no but i said it to myself and now i'm about to tell you how old people ruin this movie um so he's walking up the stairs and this is like the sixth thing there were these two old people sitting behind me uh tweedle d and tweedle complete moron um they talked <laughs> through the whole movie um and they were i don't know in their 60s or 70s and frankly if they would just shut the hell up they could have heard all the details they were asking about but no they were talking because screw being nice to the other people that went there it's all about them so also another thing i've noticed uh i always sit sit next to these people and i think the reasoning is there are two types of people that pick the seats that i always pick there's people like me that don't want to have a weird angle of the movie and want the audio to be good so they go towards the center and then also it's the people that uh have a hard time realizing what they're watching so they want to sit there so they feel like they're not missing anything and they constantly miss stuff and they have to talk about it um that was these people so so like there's multiple times where like in the movie uh like i swear they were like this is how loud they were too in the theater was that his sister Who's Miguel? Oh, if something bad happens, he's going to go straight for the bottle. The first thing he does is he goes straight for the bottle. <laughs> oh, my God. He's putting that in his coffee cup while he's at work. And then this one where they're walking up the stairs or he's walking up the stairs and you are figuring out like, wait, this isn't his place. I swear to you, they went – He's a, I, he opens the door and walks in. And he's like, did you forget to pay the power bill? And then I swear one of them went, he's in the wrong house. <laughs> <laughs> and it took, dude, it took, like, I'm not kidding you. As a, as frustrated as I was that, that this movie wasn't better, there was an actual period of five minutes where I was just fighting the urge to turn up. Like, will you shut the hell up? If you shut up, you'll hear all the things you're asking about because it's explained in dialogue. But not only can you not hear it, I can barely hear it because you won't shut up. Okay, I... Also, there was some stupid old lady in the back that was clapping, like, at every moment. Like, there's a game where they're down 15 points. They make one two-point shot. This lady goes... She did it every time. And when they won the state championship, she did it. But when the movie ended, uh, her stupid ass started clapping, and then everyone else started clapping. And I wasn't mad that they were applauding the movie because I thought the movie didn't deserve applause. That's not why I was mad. I wanted to yell, will you stop applauding so you stop validating her? 
I... Oh, my God. Okay. Um, I'm going to make two points. One, you somehow... I guess seeing movies in Indiana just sucks. I... Because <laughs> I've never had these issues in Orlando or Manhattan or Cincinnati. I, I don't understand what happens with you when it comes to seeing movies. I... <laughs> but I... The when he goes into the wrong house, for me, I honestly my jaw hit the floor because I was just so I was amazed he didn't get shot. I was so taken aback that a movie that up to this point was still kind of following the traditional kind of cookie cutter format that these movies go with. Even though it adds its kind of personal flourish that Ben Affleck adds to this movie just because, like, we've talked about, like, he is an alcoholic himself, and so he kind of gets to exercise some of these demons uh, through this role. Uh, nice belch, by the way. Um, but the fact that the movie, for the last 20 minutes, refuses to be a trope-filled, like, feel-good movie, and he breaks into somebody's house, he crashes his car, he gets fired, but at the same time, the it's... team still goes to the state championship, and they win, <laughs> but he is not there. He... And they win one for the Gipper. And the Gipper is an AA and realizes that he he's not an AA. He's in rehab. Like he's in a full-on treatment. Facility. Yes, that's uh, he doesn't. Yeah, leave. no, that's what I meant. He he meant uh, he's in rehab, and it's implied that he finally can start the journey to exercise his demons. It's not that he does, and that's what's beautiful about the ending of this movie. Like I texted you when I left this movie, I thought this was okay until the last half hour. The last half hour of this movie is so beautifully and powerfully directed. The fact that it's not the fairy tale ending and alcoholism is not a quick fix deal. And it still has the team pulling together and winning the championship, but it's never been about them. This movie is not about them. It is about Ben and he's killing himself. It's almost like the state championship game is put in there. Just so people don't go, hey, what happened with the team? Exactly. Exactly. Like honestly, like I, it's it's and it's not a bad movie for the first like hour and a half of this, but the last thirty minutes of this movie is so good. That's the only reason I'm not with you with a single brownie. This movie's a half pan for me because I honestly was very much teared up and emotional during the last 30 minutes of this movie especially the, the last, last the last part of it is the best dude, part the, like once it starts really like diving into the emotional part of like his alcoholism and his family issues the last like it gets really good the it's last just, shot it's of the, the part leading up to it's not that the great. last shot of the movie which is in the trailers of him just by himself i'm pretty sure that ball was cgi by the way dude him just by himself just playing basketball with that sunset behind him. Like, honestly, I was really, really moved 
when it's just him and you hear, and they're the state champions. Like, I, oh my God, that honestly really touched me a lot. Like, I did love the last half hour of this movie. Show me on the doll. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when, um, I, when, uh, I have a couple questions to ask. Oh, is one of them that I need, or, or actually, before you ask the question, I want one question to ask, and maybe it's one question that you already have. Okay. How how touched were you when his ex-wife showed up and he just outright said, I failed you, I failed our kid, and I failed you? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if touched or moved is the right word. Um, I felt it. Like, I was like damn yeah um but i wasn't like oh my goodness um but i i thought that was powerful and good okay i that was um, no <laughs> that my, was, my my questions yeah my, that was the my questions sorry are, well i go with your questions i'm sorry my questions are at the big at the beginning of the movie why is he struggling so much with telling the team he doesn't want the job like he's, he's practicing his phone call and he goes through an entire 30 rack of beer why was it so hard for him just be like hey i don't want the job uh, why does he take the job? Like he, they spend a whole five minute scene showing he polishes off a thirty rack like it's nothing, uh, while while trying to tell the, uh, figure out how to have his phone call to say he doesn't want the team. And then the next shot is just him walking in. He's like, yeah, I'm the head coach. And then third, and most importantly, how did he evade criminal charges? Oh, okay. Hold on. There's a couple things to unpack there. Um, I I think for your first question, why it took as much time as it did to have him accept the job, I think that was just a- no, 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 not 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 the time. Why was it so hard for him to say no? And then. Also, if it's that much where he's like, I really don't want it, why in the next scene is he, is he like, yeah, I'll do it? I think that was just to emphasize just part of that conflict. Like, he, he – Yes, but why does he have that conflict? Because he just can't – he can't handle himself. He can't handle the idea of – he candle himself he he just he it's there's this understanding that he he doesn't what's the right way to phrase this he he knows that he has issues and he shouldn't put himself in a position like this but he does it anyway because there's this glimmer of redemption that – or um, this kind of live through the kids that he can go through for his own redemption. Like I was a state champion before. I can make these kids a state champion. Well, at the same time, he's got to deal with, OK, I'm going to do this. OK, but no, but your kid still died and you're only going to feel good with alcohol. Like, OK, well – I, I'm gonna do this anyway. I'll I'll drink later, but I I'm I'm gonna do this first. No, you're gonna drink now. Like, I think it's just 
painting that whole portrait of just what the alcoholism does to him where um i mean i don't know if that's kind of a roundabout kind of yeah but i i don't know if that answered your question but (laughs) not really uh also i got i have another question so you know that kid that was hitting on all the girls before the games I don't remember his name. I don't have it in front of me, but... Headband kid? Yeah, 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 with the long hair, yeah. Did you think that at some point in the movie towards the end it was gonna, it was going to freeze frame on him and just say, he was shot outside of 7-Eleven for talking crap and hitting on someone's girlfriend? Uh, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, the moment he, it showed him hitting on that one girl before a game, I was like, I think he gets shot. No, I, no, I'm just going to leave that there. I definitely didn't think that. Um, <laughs> I was, like I said, I was not enamored or interested in any of these kids. Like, that's another reason why I don't give this movie a full pan. What about Tubbs? Oh, t- <laughs> at the, With a nickname like Tubbs, you gotta care. Uh, oh my god. The, the, He's right up there with Porkins and subtle nicknames. Yeah, right? Like... None of these kids had any any reasonable or nuanced depth to them. Like like I'm saying that they, they oh my god, you said the kids in Hoosiers you didn't give a crap about. These kids have even less depth to them. I'm just Yeah, but at least I remember the name of one of them. <laughs> okay, Sergeant Porkins. Like <laughs> I uh um did you did you have a third question that you were um well, that was question number four, so yes, I have had a third question. Wait, or, I'm sorry, did I lose track of the questions? Um. <laughs> yeah, the, the first two were, uh, why was he having so much time, hard time saying no? Why did he say yes? And then what was the, th- I forgot what the third one was. Did I remember uh, the kid with oh, the long hair? how did he not get criminal charges? Oh, cr- oh how did yeah, he not yeah. get criminal charges for driving drunk, crashing into someone's car, and then drunkenly breaking into someone's house and taking a leak? That is. Although I did, I did laugh when he's, when he, the guy's like, my wife's on the phone right now. I love when he's like, your wife's Diana? <laughs> the, <laughs> that's the star power of this small community. Like. Uh, I mean, obviously, this movie was... Sh- Small community, it's L.A. I know, this movie was shot in L.A., but this guy won a state championship, what, two or three times, at least twice? Like, it wanted to emulate the fact that this was a small-town, like, hero, which... You can see the Capitol Records building, man. Yes, he crashed a car, and he broke into someone's house. I, I mean... Sure, he may have endangered the lives of of several people, maimed and burned down a maimed people and burned down a church, but he did win a state title. If he had never had a charge before, I'm just saying, if he never had a charge before and he was as heralded, he's had a charge before. <laughs> and he, I can guarantee you, he's had a charge but, before. Okay, I'm I'm not trying to play like straight up devil's advocate, but I'm just saying that I mean maybe there's. 
the maybe it's part of a plea that he said, okay, I'm going to go into rehab for an extended period of time, and he maybe he probably had parole. Like, what if he was doing those one-on-one shots with a parole officer watching him and a GPS bracelet on his ankle? Like, we don't know he didn't have charges pressed against him. This movie was pretty. Um, This movie had a surprisingly bleak. But hopeful still ending. Like it was a very realistic. And it could have st- it could have been bleaker. It was a very realistic. Like Who? no, no one. He died, but he wasn't with the team for the championship. Matt. I was okay. One thing too. Speaking of death, I was honestly amazed he lived. Not because I thought he was gonna drink himself to death, but again to the scene where he breaks in the guy's house. As soon like once I realized that. Uh, like pretty early on in the scene where he was going in the wrong house, I was like, he's going to get shot and die with the way this movie's going in the last like 15, 20 minutes, he's going to get shot and die. And when he's in the house and the door opens and the guy steps out with the, I think a, like a weird log. Um, he steps out with like the silhouette of him. It looks like a gun. And I fully expected to hear. Yeah. I thought that was a gun too. I really thought Ben Affleck was gonna get shot with a shotgun in a guy's house. I, there, there was that fear, but the way it ended up playing out was beautiful. Like the fact that he was a Second Amendment, like don't take my guns, but he told him, "Oh no, sir, you're gonna sit down, and we're gonna wait for the cops." And he, and then Ben's just like, "Uh, f that," and then he just. Holy crap, the way he falls through uh, the stairs and breaks uh, the support beams and just like, oh my god, okay, this is your lowest low. Like, that was really difficult to watch. Like, the way that that twist happened. Like. Might have had a better emotional impact if those people would have shut up. Um you you Who okay? You, you cast... need to leave Indianapolis and come to Cincinnati and watch movies with me because I have never had. I this just problem. moved. I'm not moving again for a while. I <laughs> I've never had this problem. Like I I I am struggling to think of when I've ever had a theatrical issue, like any that you have had, other than when my. And civil... for me, it's every three weeks. I know. Like other than when my Civil War projector didn't work four years ago. And Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, and Hobbs and Shaw two years ago. Yeah, or just one year ago. I'm sorry. Um, and then when the guy was checking his emails next to you? That didn't bother me because Men in Black International is a piece of crap. So that didn't bother me. Um. <laughs> Who would you cast Nicolas Cage to be? I would say Ben Affleck, but we've already had a great drunk Nicolas Cage movie called Leaving Las Vegas, which you absolutely need to see because it's a great movie. Um, if he replaced um, Asif Manvi, or no, um, oh, uh, Al Madrigal, I'm sorry, Al Madrigal, that's his name. If he replaced Al Madrigal as the assistant coach, that would have been interesting. Um, oh, my other pick would be if he was the if he was the guy in the bar that somehow was always there to help keep him on his feet like oh, okay buddy it's time for you to go like <laughs> if he played that guy i i would cast him either as headband kid who's always hitting on chicks 
um, or the main pastor for the church. That's not a bad pick either. Um, the main pastor, I could see that. Yeah. Wouldn't you laugh really hard though if he Nick Cage? He's he's already hell. He's already worn a father's uh, like a a, a a priest robes in uh, Face Off. Uh. <laughs> he's he's just he's just like <laughs> he's like Ben Affleck. I'll show you what I'll show you what face I make whenever I think of you as our head basketball coach. <gasps> like when he's behind that one girl and his eyes are bugging out. Your face after chugging a whole three fourths of vodka by yourself. <sighs> but yeah, I'm I'm kind of done on this movie. Yeah, I the way back guys. Oh, actually, I have one more comment. Okay, sure. Drunk Ben Affleck is going to kick my ass because I start dating his ex-wife. <laughs> what's his name? When, he, when she goes, what's his name? Or when he goes, what's his name? And she goes, Nick. I, I went, <laughs> in my movie theater. And I don't know. And no one had any idea why I found that funny. And they're like, why is that funny? Dude, I, I, I laughed at that too. When because that's such a serious moment when like you could see the rage in him just like well what's his name and she just goes nick i i i told you off mic there was maybe four or five people with me in my theater total and when she said nick i went that nick (laughs) (laughs) what's his name what's his name nick nick who Nicholas Cage. Wasn't the assistant coach's name Dan? I don't remember. I I don't remember his name ever being said. Like I thought they were just like, oh yeah, this is assistant coach, coach guy. Um, I where are you? Yeah, Al Madrigal. The <laughs> yeah, Al Madrigal, the assistant coach. His name was Dan. Um, <laughs> so we both made an appearance at least verbally in this movie <laughs> oh another another bl- hilariously blunt ben affleck moment is when that one kid comes to ask to be put back on the team and he goes honestly if it's about finding something to do after school maybe maybe the assistant coach can help you uh get into study hall or something all right have a good day and he just closes the door in the guy's face oh <laughs> i remember that uh i laughed i laughed kind of hard during that yeah i all right now i'm done okay <laughs> well with that guys um that is our thoughts on the way back um i give it a half pan nick gives it a single brownie so we are going to take a very brief break and then we will take the time machine to 2010 and let you know our thoughts on the m night Shyamalan adaptation of the last airbender we'll be right back All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. This week, Nick and I pulled an audible on you guys. Uh, we are not going back. Thanks, Just Watch. Yeah, thanks, Just Watch, uh, for lying to us about Menace to Society's availability. Um. <laughs> if you want to not know what you're watching, 
just have just watched because they don't have a clue either. Yeah, it's not the first time that they tricked me. Not, I mean, this is the first time for the show, but um, they've tricked me on a couple occasions uh, off mic. Uh, but lo and behold, they got me this time. I thought that uh, Menace to Society was going to be available for the show <laughs> for this episode, but... Because they said it would be, and then they were like, uh, nope! Yeah, lol, JK. So, uh, we pulled an audible on you guys. Uh, I'm sorry if you owned it and watched it, or you paid for a rental and watched it, um, but that is not what we're gonna be talking about. Um, we... I'm sorry we ruined your week. Yeah. (laughs) We're not talking about a very violent, hardcore, uh, African-American film this week. Instead... We're what? We're talking about a very whitewashed movie. <laughs> that was that was what I was about to say. We're watching a very whitewashed uh, anime live adaptation, uh, or adaptation of a live action anime uh, entitled "The Last Airbender." Uh, we landed the time machine in 2010 because that's when this movie came out, and it has come courtesy of. One of the greatest living bad film directors of modern time, M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, It is based. He's like the Nicolas Cage of uh, bad movie directors. Do you think? Do you think it's M. Nicolas Cage Shyamalan? Is that what the night stand? The N stands for? Nicolas Cage has more good movies than M. Night Shyamalan does. I'm just throwing that out there. pretty bad pretty bad yeah we we started the show literally weeks after he released glass the end of his uh unbreakable trilogy and i'll just go ahead and throw it out there i think he just got lucky with the one about the grandparents (laughs) oh i haven't even seen that one the visit but um i remember um for those of you all that don't know who in night shimlon is he got very, very, very famous for The Sixth Sense, and it's objectively a good movie. I see a hack director. Yeah, I see a director that got lucky once. Um, <laughs> he he got very famous from that movie, and then a lot of people like Signs, even though that movie's not aged very well. Um, he did Unbreakable, which wasn't received very well at the time, but is actually very good. Um, and then he did The Village, and that was terrible. Lady in the Water, that was terrible. Um, the Happening, that was terrible. Uh, the Last Airbender, which uh, we'll talk about here in a second. But he has gone through a string of really, really bad movies. Um, not to say anything about his Apple show. Uh, I don't know anything about the show. I don't even know if it's out yet, so the jury's still out on that. But... But based on his track record, we're not holding out hope. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, that in terms of the Unbreakable trilogy, I've seen all three films. Unbreakable is great. Split is great. And then Glass kind of screws up the landing. It, Glass was very close to being on my worst of the year list. Um, even if... I did review it for the show. It would have missed my list. It would have been an honorable mention. But, yeah, Glass was pretty bad. Um, 
Nick, you you never end up seeing it, right? No, because I never saw Unbreakable, um, or uh, what was what was the other one about the guy with multiple personalities? Split. Yeah, I never I never saw Split. Okay, well I I implore you to watch both of those. I think in I think Unbreakable and Split are both great movies, but yeah, Glass is terrible. Um, so let's use that as a segue into our time machine. His adaptation of the classic, really, really, really great Nickelodeon show, which you should definitely watch, The Last Airbender. Uh, the movie is called The Last Airbender because this came out and was in production. Because there was none after it. <laughs> yes, that too. This came out and was in production when Avatar was breaking every single box office record that it could uh, in the late tw- uh, 20-teens, or uh, not 20-teens, uh, the early thousands, what we call them, uh, because Avatar came out in 09, and this came out a year after. So they want uh, Nickelodeon wanted to distinguish this film from that property and just decided to drop Avatar and call it The Last Airbender. And... Uh, all that said, oh good lord, this movie's pretty awful. I'm, I think it goes without say. I'm giving this movie a cookie, uh, and on our scale, like we've already talked about with all the other movies, it's the worst rating we can give a movie. Uh, oh my god, I do have some positives I want to throw out there before your hot take. I think that this film's score is awesome. I love the music in this movie. I think James Newton Howard is fin- way, way too good for this movie. And he's worked with N. Night Shyamalan before, uh, like, a lot of times. I think I read in the trivia he's this was the fourth of seven movies he scored for M. Night Shyamalan. I don't know why he keeps working with him, frankly. Um, <laughs> uh, Andrew Lesney was the director of photography. The film is shot beautifully. It is. It looks fantastic. A lot of the cinematography is great. Um, the costumes. They clearly invested a lot of money in the costumes, uh, along with the sets, like the art direction. I don't. Uh, I don't have the art director's name in front of me, but the art direction, costumes, uh, the visual effects. Also, they're done by George Lucas's company, Industrial Light and Magic. I think for the most part they look really good. Some of it's not aged very well. Like there's a lot of really bad green screening. But um, overall, all every single thing – like if you watch this movie on mute, the movie looks like it is a really, really awesome fantasy martial arts movie. But then the actors, the dialogue, and the editing – just ruined this movie it is so poorly acted the dialogue is so exposition heavy and just so it's it's amazing because i'm a fan of the show and um i can just see every single time a narrator whoever is narrating ang or the girl or zuko every time they start narrating they're streamlining something in the show that took like one or two episodes to do and it's 
it's amazing that this movie is equally rushed in that regard, but within the movie itself, the pacing is so insanely stupid slow, given it's only an hour and 40 minutes. Like, this is a relatively short movie, and I just, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but um, as an Avatar fan... This is an abomination. I know I'm late to the party on this. Hashtag late to the party. But, um, yeah, this movie was bad as advertised. Uh, I deliberately never watched it until now because Nick implored me to pick a bad movie after Minus got pulled. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, this lived up to all the hype it got. Um, it won a Razzie Award for Worst Picture of the Year in 2010, which it – I don't remember what the competition was, but this definitely deserved to be in contention. Um, Probably Skyline had something to do with it. Oh, Skyline. Oh, my God. I forgot that movie. Uh, so did the director. Yeah. I, I still haven't seen that. I know you've talked about it before, but... It's awful. That that was one of the last movies I remember seeing with my dad in Columbus, and it was so bad. We were like... I mean, it's got to get better, right? And we never left, and they were like, oh, it's over. That was stupid. Yeah, I still have never seen it. But um, but no, Avatar, I just... Whew, this was the most notes I think I've ever texted Nick while I was watching a movie. Like, I honestly wish we watched this movie together and did a running commentary of it. Like, this was so... I, I, the, one of the last texts I sent you was, I don't know if this is worse than As Above, So Below yet. And I – given it's been two days since I watched it and I've had some time to think about it, yeah, this was – this is the worst film that we've seen for the show in my opinion. And maybe it's because I was a big fan of the show and I'm more insulted in that regard. But the film itself, there's no reason that a movie that had this much production value behind it versus As Above – which had clearly like less than $10 million behind it should turn out this bad. I, Oh my God. Um, I, I mean, I, I have some trivia of, I'm going to read later. Like, Oh my God, the IMDb trivia on this was a gold mine of just hilarity, but, uh, I'll shut up. <laughs> this movie's a cookie. It's terrible. Uh, Nick, what's your, what's your take on it? Um, I got a quote for the critics box, like the critic quote for the Blu-ray box. Uh, this movie was so boring. Not only did I turn it off early so I could go back to work and end my lunch break early. Um, I did that in the middle of an action scene. <laughs> which, hold on, which action scene? Which... That's how boring this movie is, is that an action scene made me go, you know what? My job's better. <laughs> <laughs> Which action scene was it? Was it the Earthbender sequence? It's, um... No, it's the one where, uh... Aang, or Ong, however you want to pronounce it. Um, oh, oh, God. Okay. He is being rescued by the ninja that turns out to be Zuko. Oh, okay. No, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> In the middle of that scene... Um, I turned it off and ended my lunch break early and went back to work. And then I get home 
and I start watching the movie again, and I'm like, oh, it was an action scene I turned off. Yeah, the action sequence that ended with the perfect arrow shot to the face, because movie. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Um... I was not a huge fan of the show. I wasn't like Dan. I I, I saw a handful of episodes, and I, I always thought it was good, and I always wanted to get into it more than I was, but I, I just never could. Um, so I don't have that bias of, you know, it's corrupting the show, and the reason that I have a hard time with its rating is I want... I kind of want to give it a single brownie, because i can see the good idea that's there the problem is i know that idea was executed to in a very great way because the show is so acclaimed so it's like wait do i give it do i give it the benefit of the doubt because yeah it's got a good idea but i already know that the idea was done better in the tv show um i'm gonna give it a cookie because i already know that this idea was done better and then they uh, took a dump, scooped it up with a fishnet, threw it in a blender, lit it on fire, and then said, hey, watch this. Um, <laughs> yeah, this... Man, you talk about you haven't seen a worse movie. I haven't seen a more boring movie. One thing that was funny was when we were talking, you thought that I... Uh, you misinterpreted something I said. It's not that I said the movie was slow. It was boring. I thought they flew through so much... like. They go through so much stuff in this movie that you don't get any investment in any characters. You actually have to see the show to have investment in the characters in this movie. Yes, yes, and yes, frankly, yes, yes. You're not going yes. to get through. You're not going to get through a third of the movie uh, caring about these characters because it's like man, they're not developed. Like, dude, dude, I texted you that exactly. They, like, I texted you when what I had like what. 30 or 40 minutes left of the movie right before the final battle in the southern or the northern water tribe battle holy crap i have not cared less about characters before climax than this movie. dude i i texted you at that moment oh well he hasn't learned either earth or fire yet but this movie's got 40 minutes left and we've been in gear five and clearly doesn't give a crap about character development like <laughs> I mean, I mean, admittedly, I did forget exactly what was all in. Um, it's actually called Book One. Uh, the seasons all have their own subtitles. Like season one is called Book One Water. Season two is called Book Two Earth. Put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> um, and season three is called Book Three Fire. If uh, if I remember right. So I forgot that season one actually ended like in this moment, the way that the movie did end, like. It does stay true to the show in that regard, but it doesn't excuse the fact that this movie was basically an $150 million previously on. Like, that was... And it's all talking! Oh, It's all talking! No one shut up in this movie. Every single time that a narrator spoke... The one moment that stood out – or two moments. I, there's two moments that stood out to me the most. The first one was when Ong well, – well, Ang in this movie is pronounced Ugh um, because uh, – I'll talk about that later. Um, so Ang is with the old guy looking at all of the previous uh, airbenders. A really powerful moment when he's trying to find himself in the show and – 
basically he talks about like I was supposed to be the 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 avatar when I found out I got scared and I ran away. And it's a really big moment and a turning point for this character. He comes across as a huge whiny baby in the movie. I don't know how he comes across in the show, but in the movie he just seems like, oh, I didn't want to do it and I hate sand and I slaughtered him like animals. And to be fair, it's more explored in the show and there is a very brief moment at the very end of the movie when he does flash back to that moment. But it's just all this shot just going across his face, like it's panning across him and it's all exposition. That is so – show it. Don't say it. That is a golden rule of cinema. Say it. Don't show it. Same thing with when uh, they get to the water tribe at the end of the film, and they're just like, oh, he fell in love with the princess, and they spent all this time together, and that's all narration while clearly something more interesting what? is happening. What about the scene where Zuko go eats goes to the other Fire Nation ship to eat lunch, and the guy's like, as you know, he's been disowned by his father and sent out to find the Avatar, but he can't wear our robes, but we're gonna let him wear them this one time. <laughs> oh my god, Dude, that's when I... <laughs> I swear, I swear to god, I started yelling at my TV anytime, anytime a, per- a character talking started off with, as you know, I was like, oh... My God, why are you telling him if they already know that? That was, that was the text. That was the text I sent you. Uh, worst roast ever. Uh. <laughs> Dude, so when um when they have that scene and he's like, he's been disowned by his father and and this and this and this. like he just like. Gives us Zuko's background. I was like, oh, wow, that would have been really cool if, like, we had a vision flashback instead of your stupid ass talking about it. Um, when, uh, my God, like, it just, okay, M. Night Shyamalan, I know his movies involve a lot of talking because he's trying to be a more clever Tarantino. Um, he's always tried to be that Wait, way. um, how many um, movies of M. Night's have you seen, by the way? Like three or four. Okay. I'm just... Do you remember any of the titles offhand? I'm just curious. Signs. This. The Happening. The Village? No. I know the twist, but no, I haven't seen that. Lady in the... It's three. It's three. I've seen... Lady in the Water. No, The Visit. God no! You, no, you've. I was ten when that came out, and I remember thinking that looked like. No, ass. the the fourth one's uh the visit, uh the grandma one. Nope, haven't seen it. What? You made a joke about it. I thought you saw that one. No, I watch a lot of uh everything wrong with. Oh, okay, okay. So anyway, you've seen you've seen um, a couple of his movies. Yeah, I've seen like three. The dude's always trying to be Tarantino with talking, but the problem is. He makes good actors look stilted and awkward and clunky when he does that. So when you get untalented kid actors, oh my god. What? Okay, what's the girl's name? Katana? What's her name? Katora? Katana, yeah. Katana? Dude, there's, there is a series of three lines she delivers 
with no change in pitch, no change in inflection, just like it's like she's reading bullet points from a PowerPoint slide. She's like, "There's gonna be a war. I'm a wa- I'm the last waterbender from our tribe. Ung, I'm here for you." And then she turns around and walks out. It's like, what the? Did you vomit sentences? What like it's not pa- literally. This is not passion. It's vomiting. Yeah. Oh my God. How there is no. She does not give a sh- uh, damn <laughs> in her line. And she's just like, Ung, I just, like, I swear to God, she would walk up to him and just be like, Ung, I want you to know, I love you. If you die, I would cry for weeks. Bear my children. And then turn around and walk out. She's so robotic, even like the most passionate things you can tell somebody. I completely agree. I, Katana, I keep saying Korra, it's not Korra, Korra's not in this movie, Katana is terrible. Uh, Sako, uh, whatever the brothers. Wasn't he funny? I remember him being funny. He's not funny. Yeah, he. Why is he not funny? That's part of the trivia that reminded me about like who this character was. He is so the opposite of this character. Same with the uncle. Uh, uh, Zuko's uncle is not this character in this movie Wasn't either. Wasn't he like eighty in the show? Do what? Wasn't he some wasn't he some wise old sage in the show? Yes. Like, okay, well in And in, in this in this he's just like a middle aged guy that makes me think he used his fire bending in the wrong way one time and it freaked him out and now he won't do it, but he's still got fifty li- years to live in his life. Oh, okay, hold on. That's another big thing I have an issue with in this movie. But I have to talk about the fact that yes, you are right, uh Katana's brother sucks in this movie. I think out of all the acting in this movie, I hated him the most, and I think it I, – I don't know. I'll protect you, princess. It is, is it the writing's fault? Is it the actor's fault? I don't know. Some – the perfect storm of just – they it, it feels like they don't know what to do with him, and the fact that they casted a very stoic actor that was taking this role way, way too seriously and clearly never saw the show before – he just – he played that character so wrong and so bad outside of the fact that he could reach behind his back and grab that boomerang sword, whatever that is. Um, but um, but no, over to the firebenders, you're right. Zuko's uncle is not this guy. He is a very elderly like uh, Aunt May in the 2000 Spider-Man old, just wise sage – that like keeps Zuko in check and gives him wisdom to try and control his emotional, youthful anger and the uh, the passion or not passion that's not the right word the the drive that he has to um, get back into the fire tribe that is not this guy at all. There's traces of it, maybe very scant traces of it. But otherwise, this guy is completely miscast as well. I mean, obviously you can't do the the hair right. Like, obviously the hair you can only do in anime, like sticking out the sides and stuff. But the mannerisms and like, oh, I'm just a – He's supposed to be an old sage, not a guy that just knows a lot of stuff. Yeah. There's a difference. And then on top of that, I want to talk about 
a big gripe I have with this that I texted you like probably like five times about, if not more. Why the hell can't the firebenders make fire? That is a huge change from the show. Dude, that line, that line when they go, oh, he's making fire out of nothing. I was like, Jesus Christ, I can see it, man. Every single moment. Did you make this movie for the blind? These guys are as worthless as stormtroopers without a cauldron next to them. And I don't know why they did that. It, it literally adds nothing to the story. It doesn't make them, like... Why can't they make fire? Like, what does this add or contribute? Like, okay, they happen to have to stand next to a cauldron. Well, all that does is just make them stormtroopers. All you have to do is have a waterbender like Katana spray some water on the cauldron, and then all they have is swords. And what, is it all for the big reveal that, like, oh my god, his uncle can control fire. A, a, a firebender hasn't been able to... Control fire like that in a hundred years. You're firebenders. You're supposed to be able to control fires like that. Like, that is such a stupid so, change from so, the show. Like, oh, it bothered me so much. So I went back through my text messages to try and find a specific one. And so far, uh, this is some of the ones I found. This acting is horrible, and I've only heard two lines. Immediately followed up with... This is the worst acting we've seen for the show. Within five minutes, I was like, oh my god, this is the acting they went with. Oh, dude. Yeah, um, and then that, that text is the, equivalent the, to what? I think I sent you three text messages or four in the first like 15 minutes of the movie when I honestly don't try to text you that much while I'm watching it. Dude, and then I followed up with, quote, the Fire Nation is here with their machines. What about that? What does that mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> they just kept saying, the Fire Nation's here with their machines. I was like, and is that bad? And then it was like, uh, I said, wasn't this show fun? This movie's not fun. Uh, this movie is so whitewashed. I was like, uh, is this movie just exposition? I'm going to call him Kylo Zuko. This action is so bad. Start say, stop saying every conversation beginning with the phrase uh, as you know and then a thousand toys oh I uh, my personal favorite text message that you sent me because I'm looking at my notes too was um was it the one about the princess's hair no. <laughs> that was a good one too um no <laughs> if you guys if you guys have never seen this movie there's a shot that has been memed to death and i thought maybe it was photoshopped a little bit watching this movie it's not photoshopped at all that princess's hair looks like a penis it looks from her behind. hair looks very f dude her dude, no. dude let me get this joke out they should have called her penny <laughs> penny the penis head no let me get my joke out her her hair follicles look very phallic her hair follicles look funny. Um, her, 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 her hair looked like uh, a topographical – or not topographical. Her hair her hair looked like a highway map of Los Angeles. <laughs> so when I first started watching this movie, I was watching it in my car on my lunch break. And then when I came back home, I watched it on, one of, on my 50-inch TV. 
And I put, oh my god, these CGI water balls look so friggin' bad on my 50 inch. They looked fine on uh, on a smaller screen, but they look terrible. Okay, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna. I will, I will, I will give this movie one compliment. The snowing ash to show that the Fire Nation has arrived is pretty sweet. I'm gonna contend because they're in, they're in like Antarctica or Alaska or something, and it's snowing, and they're like dancing, and then it turns to ash, and I was like. That's a cool transition. I like I'm going to contend the water balls. I honestly thought all the water balls and I have a 50, I have a 55 inch TV, not that we're measuring, but um, <laughs> I have a 50 plus inch TV as well. And. Oh, sorry. Something hit the bed. <laughs> I, <laughs> I honestly, okay. I. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I, I honestly didn't think the water looked that bad. I thought a lot of this movie CGI. Oh, dude, it looks so bad to me. So bad. No, they. Uh, okay, no, they don't. I'm gonna. I will. I will stand my ground. I thought the. Okay, here's here's the thing. You were talking about like the green screen screening looks bad. Everything looked honestly passable to me in the movie for CGI, except the water balls. I don't know what it was. They looked really off. To well, me. what about the green screening? Like right in the very beginning of the movie when they first find Aang in the ice. Uh, circle or sphere and it's so obvious when it's not looking at the sphere but it goes back to them it is clearly they are not somewhere remotely cold at all there is no depth between them and the icebergs that is the worst cgi in this movie right in the first five minutes yeah uh what one of what are my next notes will you let this guy meditate because he's like I gotta meditate. Some of the best, some of the best monks can meditate for four days. And the moment he starts meditating, stupid katana is over there like, ung, 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 pay attention to me, ung. It's like, will you let him meditate? It takes focus, stupid. Okay, since you've said that, my other thing that I have a real big issue with is something that probably everybody's wondering right now, like, why have you not talked about this yet? Why have you not talked about this yet? Oh, and it was something that really bugged me literally right off the bat because the movie decides that every A needs to be pronounced wrong. I'm saying wrong. I'm not saying that it's – We got to go to the look. I'm not saying that this was done in ill intent because I saw in the trivia that M. Night Shyamalan wanted to have certain words pronounced in – root with their asian uh heritage i don't know like a better word um he wanted to that's funny because he casted all white people uh, oh we can talk about that in a second too um he he allowed these actors to pronounce two prominent words in this movie very very wrong in the sense that in the show they said them in a different way. I'm trying to say this delicately because I'm not trying to, like, if this is how you pronounce it, um, in in the way it's supposed to be pronounced, like, okay, cool, I'm wrong. But in the show, this is how we were told to say it. So instead of ang, it's ung, like a u, like ung, and then the avatar. 
like Matt Damon. <laughs> and then Avatar is the Avatar. And in a moment uh, that I ha- still haven't sent to you, I'm going to send it to you off mic because I don't want you to play it on mic and we get in trouble. Um, it was. Is it the ooze scene? Was it what? Is it. The only clip you sent me from this movie was the ooze scene. Just like the guys on the roof. He's like, ooh. Oh, no. I just thought that was really funny in general. Just. <laughs> I thought that was just really funny out of context. But no. It was. Uh, the other moment was when they're in a forest right before they get to the Earthbender uh, tribe. And uh, uh, Katana's brother goes, So, are you the Avatar Ong? <laughs> Just because I thought that. I remember that. Scene. Just because I thought that was so funny, like, um, <laughs> but um, so they pronounce those words wrong. But then they also, when they find the yin and the yang, the the godfish, like the apparent balance of the entire, like, state of the world, Asif Manvi is in two magic cards. Yeah, <laughs> Asif Manvi, who's been on the Daily Show, um, he's the only name drop. I'm he's the only name drop I'm gonna say right now for this review. Um, Asif Manvi, the guy who's the general, also looking for the Avatar, in addition to Zuko, uh, he says it's the Ying and the Yang. They go by many names. That friggin bugged me too i was like you're a douche that's not how it's pronounced sometimes they're called uh peace and hate they're also called yang and yang or whatever the monologue is the moment he said yang i paused you in text probably again my fourth or fifth time while i'm watching this movie why the f can this movie not pronounce a's right like (laughs) that was driving me up a wall um, by the way, <laughs> Asif Manvi, as this supposedly very intimidating general, is the least convincing casting I've seen for the show since whoever they casted as Jafar and Aladdin all the way back in May. This was terrible casting. So, something something I noticed with the movie, other than, like certain characters not acting right and that, and that terrible casting the movements in this movie for action scenes are so slow like when they're doing their water bending and earth bending and air bending and rock bending and, and stuff i was just sitting there and i was like can you not just run up and punch the guy the, i remember the, the show everything was so quick and abrupt and then in this movie they're like we're gonna take 30 seconds of break dancing to get a rock to come up and then go hit one guy. I, and it also takes five people to get it to do it. I thought that in the in the Earthbender sequence, when um, Aang, like, did his thing, like, blowing everybody away with the air, but then the camera in, like, this weird, like, single take, um, there was a lot of single takes in this movie, like, or imitated single takes, but when it panned from him just blowing a couple people on the ground, and then, yeah, just all the guys just going, huh, and then rocks come up i was just like oh this looks so stupid and silly now like (laughs) i remember the show it looked a lot cooler but like they move and then that's what i'm saying it looks cool in the show from each other they're all moving 
they're all moving so slow in this movie. Like, I get it. It's not a cartoon. You can't, like, just cut to, like, a blue a blue screen with white streaks running by it. But, like, everything just looked off. Also, speaking of stuff that doesn't look cool, quote, I don't know if riding a giant Komodo dragon is cool or oh, not. Oh, that was, that was what I was going to say was my favorite. That is a, sen- that is a sentence I said. That, I was going to say that was my favorite text that you sent me. That, was, that made me laugh really hard when I read that at work. <laughs> And then, why are they kissing? And then, my last one I sent was, don't end this with Ung looking confused about being the Avatar. Like, when he finally realizes he's the Avatar at the end, and even the fi- like the remaining Fire Nation on the island is bowing to him. He just has this look like, I don't know if this is what I want. No, dude, be confident. Grow up here. Be like, you know what? I'm the Avatar. Suck it! Well, no, like, that's the thing. He, that's just, the... he has, like, no confidence in him being the chosen well, one. Well, that's the... Anakin, on the other hand, is over there murdering children because he's so s- sure that he's the chosen one. Well, no, that's the... Be like Anakin. Slaughter kids. Okay, I will defend this part... This was not supposed to be the defining moment when he realizes, oh, I'm the Avatar. I'm the only one that can stop the Fire Nation. It is so obvious throughout this movie, right when he says, I ran away because I was unsure I could be the Avatar. That's his big arc throughout the whole series, is gaining that confidence as he goes through fights, and he learns earth, water, and fire, that, yes... I can be this. I can be the Avatar. I'm supposed to be the Avatar. And him realizing that, yes, this is his destiny. And that is very clear that it wanted to explore this through two more hundred-minute previously-ons where they take 20-episode seasons that are all half an hour each and condense, what, 200 times 30? 600 minutes worth of story into 90 minutes three times but thank god that they ignored the box office because yes this movie did technically turn a profit and listened to the critics and said oh dear god please please stop please please stop i wonder i wonder how pissed off nickelodeon was at this movie because nickelodeon doesn't make a ton of movies and when they do they they usually like they they usually are like the beginning of something like jimmy neutron it was the first movie uh rugrats it had been years of hey this show's been on tv let's finally do a movie like they they take very calculated risks when they make movies and this one backfired hard. Oh yeah, it did. You want to know what the the second live action Nickelodeon movie uh, they ever made was? Uh, and yes, Avatar. Uh, well, it was. There was this one, and then the second live action film that they ever made uh, was something we talked about on the show. Good Burger. No, we've not watched Good Burger on the show. Literally, the second attempt at a live-action movie they ever did, just in general, was also the first live-action film they ever... (laughs) The first live-action film they ever made after this film was nine years later. And... 
Dora. Uh, Dora. Yep, Dora was their first attempt at a live-action movie after this one. Glad to see they were like, you know what? Let's take a calculated risk. Well, in a way, Dora was a calculated risk because they didn't just make it an outright... That's what I'm getting at, is they took a calculated risk that made sense. Yeah, they took a gamble and got good writers and didn't want to just make it a stupid five-year-old's movie and made it something that, well, made us in our mid-twenties laugh our butts off during because it was so ridiculous. (laughs) They didn't try to. Who would you cast? They didn't try to take thirty episodes of Dora and try to condense it into an a hundred minute movie. Like, <laughs> oh god, who would you cast? Nick Cage. Can you imagine how many times they say swiper no swiping in that friggin' movie if they did I'm that? I'm just imagine. I'm um, just imagining so much of the movie. Like they did do it in the Dora movie, where she goes, "Can you say this?" But if they dragged it out even longer, like a solid five minutes of her just staring at the screen, just going. Come on, you can say it. Can you say this? <laughs> she gets aggressive and she's like, say it, punk. You can say it. Now say it. <laughs> Who would you cast Nick Cage to be in this movie? I want Nick Cage to either be Zuko's uncle or the head of the Fire Nation. There was honestly no one else in this movie that I thought merited the majesty of Nick Cage's energy other than somebody in the Fire Nation. Hmm. You know what's funny? This movie was so bad that when I watched it at lunch and I went back to work, there's a guy – he doesn't listen to the show just because I talk to him about movies so much that he's like, I don't need to listen to the show because I already have talked to you about Oh, well, them. way to go. Way to go, um, Nick. <laughs> whatever. Um, but uh, I told him, I was like, this movie's so bad and so uninteresting. I was like, I'm over halfway done with the movie. And I haven't even thought about who I'd want Nick Cage to be. I was like, I forgot we do that. Dang, usually it's something that I do, like... (laughs) That's usually something I do when I'm really bored in a movie, right off the bat, is just immediately start thinking of how can Nick Cage improve this. I'm gonna be honest with you. Nick Cage would have to be the guy talking talking about how uh, Zuko was banned by his dad. That's it. That's the only thing I can think of, just for me to be like, As you know... His face was burned. Like that's it. So I don't oh, okay, have, so we, it's so, so boring. It's so boring. It made me not care about the crux of this show. Okay, so we agree on that then, because that was Asif Mondi's character. Um when he's just Yeah, asshole Mondi. No, okay, so we agree on that. I think this might be one of the only times we've agreed on having Nick Cage be the same character. Like honestly, like Asif Manvi is so unintimidating just because maybe – well, okay, maybe just because I know him from The Daily Show being so funny. Like seeing a guy that – pulled a Kamel Nanjiani and he got freaking jacked. Yeah. <laughs> but like seeing him in this role, it's just so unbelievable that he's supposed to be this conniving, menacing, masculine, just like general. After I've seen him do so many bits of comedy – and he's not even trying to be that menacing. Like, if he is, I mean, I'm sorry, dude. You are not convincing whatsoever. Like, 
I would love to have seen Nick Cage just be like, oh, so is Prince Zuko looking for the Avatar? And then, yes, but I don't want him back. You must get the Avatar before me, before him. And then him going, so it's a race then. And then him just slipping in, it's a race to find the Declaration of Independence. Uh, no, it's... In 60 seconds. <laughs> no, it's to... To find the Avatar, just in the amount of time that it takes you to find the Avatar, as long as it's before Zuko. Which is 60 seconds. It'll take me 60 seconds. Well, okay, if it takes you a minute, all right. Like, <laughs> Am I getting through to you, Zuko? Zuko, you've been banished from the Fire Nation. Am I getting through to you? You have to do what I say. You have to do what I say, or you're going to be banished from the Fire Nation. <laughs> <For life. laughs> but yeah, I don't have anything else. This movie is so stupidly boring. The only other th- the only other thing I have to say, like, I mean, guys, you should go to the I'm Dippy trivia and just read the trivia because a lot of it is hilarious. But the only one that I'll just – I'll cap off this review with um, – in 2019, just last year at NYU, um, he was at the NYU uh, business school specifically, and he uh, – M. Knight. M. Knight was uh, giving a lecture, and he just outright disowned this movie, uh, saying that he made – at this point in his life, along with After Earth in 2013 – junk movies um i'm not going to read the whole paragraph that he says to the to the lecture but um he um he just just owned this movie uh but on top of that uh the producers the showrunners of the actual show are executive producers of the movie as well but um although jumping on board and being on all for it once they saw the final movie, on top of literally not being allowed to give any creative input onto the show or onto the movie itself, they both also went on public record and said, "No, we hate this movie. This is this is not in our zeitgeist. <laughs> the show is the show. Cora is Cora. The Last Airbender literally doesn't exist." I just I just love that the director and the two credited creators of the Avatar show itself, all three of them just are just like, yeah, uh, what 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 movie? What uh, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> that's funny. That's pretty funny to be like, it's so bad. The three parents want nothing to do with it. It's got more. It's got more parents than normal situations. And even they're like, all of them are like, no. Yeah, I just. Uh... I loved reading just the fact that they all disowned this movie too, and just Disney and or not Disney, Nickelodeon and Paramount just all had to take the L on this. I mean, they still made profit technically, like just a little bit. It wasn't a gargantuan amount of money, but by by definition of profit, they made a profit, but not by like what actual profit is in Hollywood. It wasn't enough profit to ignore the critics. We'll put it that way. Um. But yeah, I just I yeah. got nothing else to add either. Uh you still got nothing else to add? God, no. Yeah. 
All right. Well, with that, um, thank you for um, joining me on this. I'm glad we took this dive together. Uh, but it's time for us to go back to 2019 or 2020. Sorry, <laughs> 2020. And, uh, and talk about <laughs> the super stuffed episode that we got coming at you next week. Super stuff. <laughs> yes, uh, we'll be right back. All right, everybody, that is it for the end of our two-part episode this week. Thank you, as always, to Isla Marfin of Fugue for the bumper music in between each episode and segment. Fugue. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you and love you and thank you for the music. Next week, Nick and I have decided to double down on what we already did this week and watch even more movies than we did. We have not one, not two. We have three movies that we are going to be watching in theaters, along with a Brownie Bites segment and a trip into the time machine. The first movie that we're going to be watching is going to be the long-anticipated The Hunt. The film that was supposed to come out last year in 2019, but was too hot to handle. So we're going to be watching it now. Uh, the film after that, we're going to be watching the latest film from Vin Diesel, not related to the Fast and the Furious franchise, Bloodshot. Family. <laughs> yes. And then uh, just because we've seen so many trailers for it and we've seen this be delayed more we've seen this movie advertised longer than hobbs and shaw's advertising campaign was or 21 bridges uh and coincidentally it's from the same studio as 21 bridges um <laughs> we've seen this movie advertised almost as long as the show has been in existence we're finally going to be watching the dave batista family comedy my spy yes listeners if you've seen this trailer before for the many, many, many months that it's been delayed, we're finally going to watch it. We're not going to skip it. We are doing this all for you. We're going to be watching three movies in theaters. Lord help us with scheduling. Um, because, Nick, it is your pick for the time machine. And you've been hyping this up for a long time. Let the listeners know what we're finally going to be watching. We're going to watch two-thirds of a movie, The Devil Inside. <laughs> not that we're only going to be watching two-thirds of the movie but oh no we're gonna watch the whole thing that they say is a movie but really it's still only two-thirds of one the only solace i'm taking in this is that the movie is barely 80 minutes long so it's not going to screw up my schedule that much um <laughs> <laughs> maybe it would have been 100 minutes long if this movie actually had an ending uh <laughs> like oh crap we gotta cut the ending for time uh, don't you think it's kind of important? No, we'll just put a website on there. How hard could the backlash be? Turns out pretty hard. Yeah, if it's not obvious, Nick and I have both seen this movie before, but it's it's been determined that it's deserving of a reappraisal. Um, cause why not? We we just we just suffered through the last air, Airbender for you guys, so why not just double down and watch another bad movie? So, um, <laughs> God. yeah. So that's uh. 
that's what we got coming at you next week. Um, obviously, another Brownie Bites segment. Um, that's going to be coming along with it. Um, this is definitely going to be another two-part episode. Maybe three parts. Who knows? We'll see how it goes with uh, me and the editing process. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Nick, let the listeners know where they can reach out to us via social media. Brownie Points Guide to Cinema on Facebook at Brownie underscore cinema for Twitter, Brownie underscore points underscore guide for Instagram and Gmail, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema at gmail.com. All of those, the show logo, the bowl of popcorn with the brownie in it is the profile picture. Uh, send us Brownie Bites ideas for either lists you want us to do, countdowns you want us to do, uh, rankings you want us to do uh, movies you want to make sure we go out of our way to review topics you want us to discuss um uh, time machines you want to make sure we do movies you want to make sure we go out of our way to see uh stuff like that and if you are a casual or a first-time listener go ahead and hit that subscribe button leave us a written review give us some star rankings uh, feel free, like Nick said, to interact with us on social media. Give us comments. Give us likes. Uh, shoot us an email. Let us know what you want us to keep. Keep sharing us with two people you know. Yes. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want us to watch, what you uh, think of the show. We have a small but loyal community that is growing by the day. We are loving the interactions that we are having on our posts. We are trying very hard to be very interactive uh, on social media on a daily basis. And uh, just everybody that does dedicate time to listen to us, thank you. Thank you, thank you. We appreciate it. We love it. Knowing that we are adding a little bit of joy to whoever's listening to us in their life, uh, it makes us all worthwhile. And... Yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a ride. It's been great. As always, we cannot wait to continue to let you know what is going on in the cinema from here until we decide to stop the show, which no is not going to be anytime soon. So, uh, with that, <laughs> you say that, but we could be like good, rich, quality theaters. Yeah, <laughs> or or one of us could get sick with the coronavirus. Everything seems fine, and then boom, out. <laughs> Good rush got the coronavirus. <laughs> oh, God. So with that, uh, we are signing off. Next week, we'll be back for at least a two-part episode while we talk about Bloodshot, My Spy, and the most controversial film of 2019, soon to be 2020, The Hunt, and of course, Our Time Machine, the devil inside we will see you then and happy saint patrick's day for that weekend do you think the devil got inside of the last airbender <laughs>